0: But today we're just going. To, I'm. I, I like to read the Christmas story every Christmas, just for our own family tradition. But I also would like to just share that with you today. And I know it's a story that's you're probably really familiar with, but it's also a story that never gets old. Um, and you know, and I was contemplating on this Christmas story, that actually the Christmas story began before the world was created. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elohim. Was to contemplating <clears throat> about forming humanoids <laughs> a humankind and as he was contemplating that he in his heart he knew that there would be a time when mankind would separate themselves from him by sin and so he came up with a plan from the very beginning that Jesus would come to earth to die for the sins of all mankind so that our relationship with him could be restored because sin, of course, uh, divides that relationship. It destroys the relationship. And the reason we're created was because God wants a relationship with us. And so from the beginning of time, God had this picture and his plan in mind to restore mankind to himself. And so that's actually the story of Christmas, uh, is how Jesus... Now, in the Old Testament, the prophets prophesied Jesus' coming. Uh, Many occasions, uh, we're more familiar probably with Isaiah's uh, prophecies concerning Jesus. They prophesied his coming, but they were even puzzled by their own prophecies. They did not understand the prophecies that they wrote But they knew that somehow God was going to make it all come together and make it happen. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call His name Emmanuel. Now the prophets had prophesied that there would be a virgin to give birth to a son. They would call his name Emmanuel, but I don't think in their mind that they could conceive of the Holy Spirit implanting, impregnating Mary and her carrying a child for nine months and then giving birth to a little baby boy. I don't think they could envision that. It's hard for us to even imagine that. And we can look back on it and see what took place. But I mean, it's just pretty astounding that God Almighty, the creator of the heaven and, and universe, would do that for us. For God to become man and live as man and be tempted as man and go through the trials as man and yet be God. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, which was a, a village in Galilee. He sent him to a virgin named Mary, and she was engaged to be married to a man whose name was Joseph, and he was a descendant of King David. Now, that's very important because all of the prophecies said that Jesus would be a, a descendant of King David. So Gabriel appeared to her, appeared to Mary, and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Now, can you, I I don't know if you can imagine an angel showing up to you and saying those words, but it kind of startled her, as it would me. She didn't really know what to think about it. So confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. The angel said, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. So Mary asked the angel. So you can go on down. I think there's a slight, there you go. So Mary asked the angel. How can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Then the angel left her. Now consider just a moment Mary's faith she didn't hesitate to follow through with what God had asked her to do She actually all of us have choices of whether or not we do as the Lord asked us to do or not we have those choices and Mary did not consider perhaps maybe she did what the gossip would be in town of a teenage girl pregnant unmarried she didn't didn't even it doesn't seem like even gave that any consideration, nor did she consider the fact that what's Joseph going to think when he finds out I'm pregnant, and what's he going to do when she find when he finds out? I, I don't know that I even crossed her mind. It was more like, Lord, whatever, whatever, I'm willing to do what you want me to Isn't that amazing? That's an amazing faith. It really is. And of course, Joseph heard about it. and He was considering uh, what to do. In Matthew, we read that before the marriage took place, she was still a virgin. Uh, Mary became pregnant with the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiance, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Uh, Joseph, too, had tremendous faith. I try to imagine what it he must have felt like when the angel appeared, and also what he must have felt like whenever uh, he heard that Mary was pregnant. All he knew. He didn't have a lot of the answers. He had the next step. The next step was, go get Mary. Take her as your wife. That's all he knew they had planned this for some time actually during those days the parents kind of uh, made the uh, connection between the son and the daughter and 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 it was an arranged marriage and and yet they were betrothed to one another and actually it took a a divorce document to break an engagement in those days in the jewish culture and so Joseph was contemplating should i get a divorce Mary, Actually, he was going to. He was going to put her away quietly uh, so that he would not embarrass her more than she was already embarrassed. And so he took Mary as his wife. And soon thereafter, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. Now, the Roman Empire was quite uh, this is uh, Augustus or at least a bust of him uh, what he looked like and the and Roman Empire was quite large at the time uh, and so he he throughout the whole entire Roman Empire he decreed that a census should be taken and everyone in the Roman Empire had to return to their ancestral town for registering uh, for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of David he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. Um, I don't know, can you see that very well? So Here's Nazareth where Joseph and Mary were. And they had to travel to Bethlehem about 70 miles away if if but but going that direction was uh, it was very uh, a difficult terrain uh, very hilly they even had to go if they were to go that direction they had to go through the town of Samaria to get there the city of Samaria to get to bethlehem and, and and it's probably not the route that they took because mary was pregnant uh, actually in her ninth month and so they it probably took them much longer. Uh, Probably the route they took was a 90-mile trek rather than the 70-mile trek. It took them much longer to get there. And uh, so, Scripture goes on to say that he took with him Mary, his fiancée, of course, who was now obviously pregnant, While they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son, and she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. I know, being a husband and a parent, I know that Joseph wanted better accommodations for his family than a stable. I know that. As a matter of fact, he searched for that. He he assumed that God would provide that. I mean, wouldn't that be the natural thing? Wouldn't that be the natural assumption? And so Joseph goes to one door after another door after another door, and every door he knocks on, they say, we don't have any room. But my wife is pregnant. we got to have a room. We have to have a midwife. Something, somebody help us! And finally, he knocks on a door, and someone says, "I've, you know, there's no room here, but I've got a stable that you can stay in." And I'm thinking, you know, with Joseph, it's like stable. Is the, God is that the best you can do? You know, sometimes we have expectations, don't we? And we question God and wondering, what in the world are you doing here? And I don't, I almost I, I, I can imagine that's what Joseph was doing. It doesn't tell us the story, uh, but I can imagine that's what Joseph was doing. Otherwise, he'd just quit knocking on doors. See, the census had to take place. Anyway, I'm, I'm thinking, Joseph, if I would have been Joseph, I a God, why did the census have to take place now? Of all times, in my life why would the census have to be taken now but if we find in Scripture it had to be done so that Joseph would get back to Bethlehem because prophecies spoke of Jesus being born in Bethlehem so all of the prophecies had to be fulfilled now God has a wonderful way of even working in the Kings hearts to accomplish his purposes So the whole world, the Roman world, had to relocate in order for Joseph to get to Bethlehem. Isn't that crazy? In order for Jesus to be born in Bethlehem, in order for a prophecy to be fulfilled, the whole Roman Empire had to relocate to take this census. Crazy. sometimes you may be having to move because somebody else needs to be where they need to be. (coughs) So that night, the night Jesus was born, there were shepherds keeping watch over their flock at night. They were nearby to Bethlehem and suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them they were terrified uh, the reason they were terrified is that, that the legend went that if you saw an angel you were sure it's sure death okay and so you don't once you see an angel you don't live to tell about it and so they were terrified because of this angel and actually you know, we see the we see the angels and usually in the Christmas plays they're cute little girls, you know, doing their little wings and things. But actually, we're talking about ferocious army angels. We're not talking about little wimpy wrist angels. We're talking about ferocious army angels. And just looking at one would terrify you. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, there was one angel that killed thousands. (coughs) Uh, I can imagine I would be terrified, too. So these shepherds were terrified. But the angel reassured them and said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born to you today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Now there's probably not very many babies in Bethlehem. They're going to be lying in a manger. And so it was not hard to locate Jesus. And suddenly an angel, suddenly, listen, the angel who joined, the angel, this one angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. What the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story was astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them how often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And it was just like the angel had told them. They went about, they shared. You know, when a person has an encounter with Christ, it's hard to keep that silent. They had an encounter, and it was hard for them to not say something about it. And I'm sure when they went and told everyone, they could find that there were some people there that thought they were just lunatics. But they were excited because they had seen the Christ child lying in a manger. They told about the angel coming, visiting them. Then after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who who has been born, king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for there it is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you found him, report to me, so that I I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them, until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, they fell to the ground and worshiped him. And opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi, Magi left for their own country by another way. Uh, these three gifts <clears throat> the gold, frankincense, and myrrh are somewhat prophetic in that the gold and frankincense actually spoke of royalty. And they were actually gifts given uh, as royal gifts to kings that were born into kings. If you, were, if you were to visit a king, that may be a present that you would give them, is golden frankincense. The myrrh, however, is a bitter, sweet perfume. Uh, I was reading about it. And it says it smells kind of like pine tar. Really fragrant. And uh, it's not something that you would just kind of want to keep on your shelf and burn. But actually, it was used for embalming or at least anointing the dead. I'm sorry. Well, what it was doing is it was I believe it was a prophetic word about Jesus's death. Uh, as a matter of fact we read in John chapter 19 verses 38 through 39 and I forgot to put this in the overhead afterward Joseph of Arimathea who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' Jesus's body when Pilate gave permission Joseph came and took the body away and with him came Nicodemus the man who had come to Jesus at night And he brought 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. And so knowing this, that myrrh was often used for the uh, anointing the dead and and perfuming the dead, I'm wondering if Mary, when she received that, it became maybe a recognition that the life of Jesus was going to be bittersweet. And it's been, it has been a bittersweet because it's bitter in Jesus' death. Uh, he died not because of his own sin. He died as a common criminal on a cruel cross. And many people of his day, and many people even today, uh, hate him, despised him. Wanted to see him crucified. Wanted wanted to see him annihilated. The myrrh is that bitter life. Scripture says that Jesus was despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. There was not a lot of people that really embraced him. Many did. But... By and large, there were more who rejected him than there were who embraced him. A bitter life. But then the sweetness is that because of his death, we get to have life. Because of his sinless life, our sins can be pardoned. Our sins can be removed because of the shed blood of Jesus the cross that's the sweetness of this bitter perfume uh, we can now because of his death because of his life because of his death the resurrection resurrection we now can have and experience a relationship with God through Jesus Christ it, it it's a tremendous story it's an incredible story